Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Then he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He'd come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian man said, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I asked, does this prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road, and they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing, but Philip found him at Azotus, as he uh, passed through and preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Very famous passage, um, joined again by Ben Washer and Josh Youssef. We're talking about relational discipleship this week. Um, there's a lot you could talk about in this passage, everything from baptism to missions uh, to this, I don't know if y'all have ever baptized somebody and immediately been carried away by the Lord, but you know, to the, the time, yeah, (laughs) to the miraculous nature of it. Um, I, I, I think the thing that strikes me about this, as we think about just the need necessity of discipleship and relationship is that the eunuch was reading the Bible and he was being faithful. He was exploring what God had to say in his word. He was reading Isaiah. But he it wasn't right that he would just do that alone. He needed a guide. He needed someone to come alongside him and help him understand what God's word really said. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. What are y'all's thoughts on the passage? You know, in terms of the prescriptive and descriptive, it's obviously describing something specific that's happening between Philip and the Ethiopian. Uh but I think there's some prescriptive stuff in here for us. I mean, uh, go over and join this chariot, the Holy Spirit says to him. And I feel like for us as believers, this is a this is a prescriptive statement, right? That we need to be joining people in showing them the scriptures, in revealing Jesus, in revealing who Isaiah is talking about, you know, in, in, a, in a broad sense of serving the church. Yeah, um, Philip knew the scriptures, one, yes. and he was ready to share it. Yes. He was he was looking for opportunity. Yeah, well, I don't think that's like a prescriptive thing to all people if you see someone in a chariot, go well, and join them. But 
there is a principle in that description to of serve the church in that way, being ready I mean, with yeah. the word of God. Yeah, and I think of being aware. I mean, mm-hmm. there is a sense like I'll give a shout out to this guy, Robert Warren. We all love Robert. Yep, um, champion. He was like reading a book in Rev Coffee House, and Blake walked up to him because it was a Christian book, and you know Robert. I know lived in Blake's house. Like he was in Blake's group. Like he was in our pastor school. Like it began a disciple making relationship. And obviously all of us know Robert and love Robert and Jamie's on our staff now. And we've walked him through dating and engagement and marriage and tried to be older brothers to him. That all happened because he was reading a book in Rev coffee house one day, you know, and we wouldn't have known Robert without that. And so I think the readiness of, Godly witnesses. I mean, yep. the readiness of the people of God. Hmm. Another thing that that does strike me in this, um, you know, the Christ-centeredness of the teaching um, and the word-centeredness of the teaching. Um, and I've, I've said this, you know, I've said this before. I, I've heard people say, well, the early church, they didn't really have the Bible. They would just give witness to the resurrection uh, no, they, they started with the scriptures. They would explain how Jesus fulfilled the scripture, and that's exactly what's happening here. There is a word-centeredness that ultimately is fulfilled in Christ, and all of these early teachers are obviously wonderful at bringing the message. You know, uh, To quote Spurgeon, you know, uh, drawing the scarlet line straight to the cross from whatever passage, but they're, they're starting with the scripture, and it, they're, they're showing how it's fulfilled in Christ. Yeah. You know, I think of the first thing we talked about, you've got to know the scriptures. Um, you know, in college I became a believer and then maybe less than a year later, this, uh, when I was a sophomore, this younger freshman asked me to disciple him. And so I'm like, sure. You know, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You say yes to this. What does that mean? Yeah, but sure. I had no idea what I was doing. I totally fumbled. You know, I didn't know the word at that point and uh, did my best to hang out with him and everything. But there is a sense of uh, if you're really going to get somewhere, then the word does have to be central, like you said, and you have to put in the time and the journey of learning it and knowing it, you know. To that point, though, I do think one of the things that we're doing, you know, it was interesting. We had a conversation recently about First Sunday and I think people are, <laughs> the formula of First Sunday compl- confuses people and the informula of First Sunday confuses people. And that's a little bit by design. Like, it is intentional, but it's also, like, unintentional. And so some people will come, like, um, you know, the ones that are more leaning toward the informal nature of it, and they're like, ah, like, you know, it was too systematic. You had to fill out a paper, you know, da, 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 da. there's too much formal stuff. But then the people that are kind of confused by the informalness of it are like, well, aren't, isn't the goal here to get the people to join the church, right? And so, yeah. and so we, we had this long conversation about that. And, and, and really, I mean, and I think it's something that is good to talk about because really this is all Christian discipleship, right? It, it should be, it should have a formalcy to it. Like there are steps to discipleship. Mm-hmm. But it's also informal. It's also like, you know, per person in a sense. And so, um, and so, but anyway, reflecting on the conversation about First Sunday, 
I was I was saying to the lead team, guys, the the goal here is that we are inviting people into a worshiping community. Now, they may not be ready for that. They may not be a worshiper. Yeah. But but that is what we're trying to do. Like we're trying to invite people into a worshiping community because discipleship is not isolated. Discipleship is done in community. And so it it is very hard to believe Christianity in isolation, you know? It it becomes much more of a natural thing to believe when you believe it with other believers, like when you believe it within a worshiping community. And so anyway, I think one of the points I'm trying to make here is like the very essence of Christianity itself, it's not that God just dropped a memo from the sky yeah, it's communal, and said, hey, here's truth, right? He sent a man, he sent Jesus, his right. son, who made friends and they were called disciples, and then they made disciples, and and they they brought one another into these worshiping communities, and that's how they grew, and that's actually how they got to know the Lord, and that's how they actually began to believe the truth about God. Which is an interesting pushback in this age, in the digital age we're in, you know, in the same way that um, the eunuch asked Philip for help, you know, he, he basically said, come, come be in community with me and tell me what's going on here. I think it's easy to fall into the trap of, I just need to read this on my own and listen to podcasts on my own. And my faith is my own. And you know, it's like this individual thing when Which there's reality, a draw to that. We need each other, you know, man, the church hurt me, yeah. man, this person failed me, man. I saw this Christian do that. I mean, um, there, it's funny that you mentioned this. I, okay. So, you know, and I hope she's listening, I guess I, you know, there, there was this gal that would cut my hair in Birmingham and she didn't know the Lord. I could tell she didn't know the Lord. And I would pray for her every time. And I would try to talk to her about the Lord. We, we would always carry around. We have the, like the table talk cards that we have at Christ covenant. I was much more active with it in Birmingham. I'll confess, but it was called a salt card there. So we called it, and she was on my salt car, and I would regularly pray for her. I thought you said a salt car. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, salt. Like, let your conversation be seasoned with yeah. salt was the... But anyway, um, Colossians 4. But anyway, the it was our salt card. You know, she was on there, and I'd pray for her all the time. Well, I guess I was friends with her on Facebook or something. I, I'd even forgotten, like, kind of that I was, like, friends with her on Facebook or whatever. But I started noticing, like, that she would post all these, like, Bible study things. And... Um, and I, so I reached out to her and I said, you're not going to believe this. Like, you know, it seems like you've become a messenger on Facebook or I, maybe Instagram, one of those, I think it was Facebook. And I messaged her on Facebook. I was like, you're not gonna believe this. I would pray for you. Like, you know, I just want to encourage her. Like the, the Lord was pursuing him. I would, I prayed for you. And, and she was like, that's amazing. You know, I've really come to, you know, know God. And, and I said to her, what church are you in? you know, if you plug into a church, can I help you find a church? Because, you know, of course, I know churches in Birmingham. And she said, well, I'm not into a church. I only do these online Bible studies. I'm not interested in church. I've been so hurt by the church. Like, you know, and and, and that's part of her journey. And, yeah. and I hope that, like, in the end of this, like, she'll find community. But I was like a little, oh, my gosh, like, how much confusion could be caused here? Like, the Ethiopian eunuch, it was good that he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And I'm sure he made his own reflections on it. But, you know, he did have the humility and the wisdom to realize, you know what? I'm kind of new to this whole like prophet Isaiah thing. Uh, <laughs> let me get some guides here. And of course, God provided the exact right guide. And I, and I would say that, you know, I know that there's people that listen to our daily rhythm that are just out there. Um, you know, I, remember, I was like so surprised last year that like, you know, there's people that like live in the Philippines that listen to this. Like, 
And so I would just, whoever you are, like our daily rhythm is a good thing. And we're obviously real human beings here in Atlanta, Georgia, but like, we want you to know real human beings in, you know, wherever you are, you know, whether that's in North Carolina, whether that's Atlanta, whether that's, you know, uh, somewhere in Asia. Um, and so I would just encourage you toward that. This is a good supplement, but there is, there's nothing that can replace the idea of being in a worshiping community in the Christian life. Mm, that's good. Josh, you got anything? No. Josh is always thinking over there, you know? Well, you know, I was thinking, is Philip in the Gospels, he's kind of in the background, right? He's not a really foreground guy. I mean, isn't he sort of, he's, we sort of refer to him as the guy who kind of brings people. But in this, in these series of passages in Acts, he's he's really out there preaching and speaking, and he kind of comes to the foreground a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah, that's a good, I mean, I think that's a, a very interesting perspective. Um and again, I mean, you know, there, there's so much going on by these early disciples. We don't, you know, like you said, we get the little snapshots here, right? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> That's right. We yeah. may have pegged them wrong. Yeah, we don't, yeah, we only have a few stories. Yeah. Um, don't use too much artistic license. Yeah, right. that's right. That's right. Well, good stuff. Well, for Ben Washer and Josh Youssef, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404 465 1737 or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.